Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show. It is Wednesday, the 28th of October, 2020. We are slap bang in the middle of the week. And actually, just as I um, started to record this, this is kind of something I was looking at before uh, before hitting record. Tracy Smothers passed away. I have no idea what the cause of death was. Again, this is literally happening as I... Um, oh, well, someone just I had a Google update. Apparently, it was, it was lymphoma. Um, which is which is absolutely terrible. I mean, if you were a fan of wrestling in the well, probably I, I'm going to guess that ECW was probably the time. I mean, that's where I knew him from, or certainly where I had uh, had my memories. He was part of the Full Blooded Italians with uh, Little Guido, and he was in uh, the WWF as well in 1996 as uh, Freddie Joe Floyd, which I'm not going to pretend I only know from doing a bunch of what culturalists. <laughs> that's where that's where I got that from. But, uh, you know, he was active on the independent circuit, really, up to 2019. He was in TNA for a little bit. Uh, I never met him, but I know of a lot of UK dudes, obviously, you know, being a, a wrestler here on the UK scene, uh, spoke very, very fondly on him, said nothing but nice things. In fact, that seems to be what's coming out in the you know, in, in the in the wood now, whatever their phrase is, is that he was just a really nice guy and no one has a bad word to say about him at all. So... You know, that just sucks. I always try and be as balanced as I can when talking about people passing away because I never want to take the... I'm not saying that you can't do this, but I never want to, it to come across like I'm taking... You know, if you're friends or family of Tracy Smothers, you're obviously going to be more upset than it than I am. And I never want to feel like I'm jumping on that bandwagon. But of course, it's awful. He was only 60 years old, I think. 58 years old. Just turned. Oh, no, no that's not true at all. I misread that. Uh, 58 years old last month. So, uh, but yeah, you know, on that note, thoughts to his friends and family and everybody that knew him. Uh, underrated, I would say. Underrated and certainly seemed to be instrumental in many people's careers. It's just uh, it's just one of those things. I suppose that's life. 2020 in general continues to go downhill. Other than that, I mean, what can we even say about professional wrestling? I guess we'll start with Hell in a Cell. We'll move into Raw. We'll look towards AEW and NXT and everything going on there. Obviously, Halloween Havoc is this evening. Uh, there are reports that maybe there has been a COVID outbreak throughout NXT. The rumor is also that it's not going to affect any of the, of the matches on the show but you just never know but i do think it's um you know, AEW and nxt i think are both quite exciting shows if they are able to go forward as normal and then we're moving into the full gear pay-per-view and um, they also there was something that came out in the i can't which when it was now maybe double or nothing or something else AEW announced that that is hopefully going to be in las vegas i mean of course nobody knows um and the other news i should talk about in case you are in that world is that there's rumors that thunder Rose. so thunder Rose, spoiler Thunder Rosa lost the NWA Women's title last night to Serena Deeb, I believe. And now everyone's saying, you know, is she going to sign with WWE? Is she going to sign with AEW? People are freaking out that maybe it's WWE. I can't stand it when people do that. I think we should just let wrestlers sign with whoever the hell you want. Now, you can be disappointed because you're like, oh, I would have preferred to see such and such in my favorite preferred company. That's fine. But when we... You know, imagine someone yelled at you for not picking the, you were going to, in your job, oh, you picked the wrong company. You'd be like, flub you, man. I'll go wherever, wherever I want. I would guess he signs with AEW. Although, look, WWE, 
their women's division on on SmackDown especially is well. I even I say that more so at the top of the card. It's good. Who knows? Either way, I hope wherever she does sign, she's happy and she smashes it and and all of these things. Uh, also, massive thanks to everyone that signed up on Patreon this week. Patreon.com forward slash Simon Miller three one six. Uh, it's always appreciated. Check out my YouTube channel too. Search for Simon Miller and come say hello on Instagram and Twitter at Simon Miller three one six. And also shout out to pinsandknuckles.com. Always supporting Simon Miller's pro wrestling show. Hell in a Cell, I thought was fun. You know, it, we all knew it was going to be a three-match show. I think WWE had made that perfectly clear in the sense that they announced the three Hell in a Cell matches quite early. And then they kind of pushed <laughs> things uh, in around it, which was not a bad thing. It was not a bad thing. I mean, just to go through all those quickly, you know, R-Truth defeating Drew Gulak. I love R-Truth. I think he's one of the most underrated gems ever, but the 24-7 title is... You know, all but dead unless they come up with a new way to present it. Elias versus Jeff Hardy was a Raw match in the sense it ended in DQ. And obviously we carried that feud on uh, on Raw when they just both started smashing each other with guitars. And the other big surprise outside of Slapback Jack being destroyed by Bobby Lashley. I don't know what they're doing with Retribution. We'll get into it. But the other big surprise, of course, was Otis losing his money in the bank briefcase because of The Miz. Or because of Tucker, I guess I should say, when he turned his back on his friend, his brother. I can't remember what their relationship is. I didn't like it. Now, I hate being a negative Nancy. I'd always prefer being a positive Pete. But it felt like one of those heel turns. I mean, two reasons. One, it felt like one of those heel turns we were doing just because it would be a shock and nobody saw it coming. I don't think we'd planted enough seeds to make it an exciting one. But also, two, I think I've had enough of people breaking up in WWE. You know, you had Sasha and Bailey, You had um, Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy. You had the Lucha House Party. There was somebody else that fell out recently who I can't remember. You know, it just, well, Mandy Rose and uh, Sonya Deville, there was no reason to do it. And the really strange thing is they kind of, they seem to have snuck Tucker back onto SmackDown. And nobody has said this, it hasn't been confirmed on a show. Uh, his profile, last time I checked, had been moved back to Friday night. So that could always change again. But I, I, I don't want to see Otis versus Tucker. And it's not because I don't like Otis and I don't like Tucker. I love both those guys. But I think if you didn't want Otis to be Mr. Money in the Bank, which you didn't, having the option to go back to them as a tag team would have worked wonders because we are going to run through tag teams eventually. And then hopefully when, you know, we've surpassed the natural, you know, tipping point for the heavy machinery being a team, then we can double down on Otis. And also, I don't see how this is going to benefit Tucker. This is going to be a Rusev Day situation. And I hope I'm wrong because I think Tucker is great. He is underrated too. But I think it's going to be a Rusev Day situation where we have three people, or two people in this case, but, you know, Rusev Day, three people that were great as a unit, had, you could do whatever you want with them, and you had some real time to invest in it, and yet we decided we wanted to do a feud between Aiden English and Rusev. And where is Aiden English now? I mean, with from a WWE perspective, he got let go because they didn't see any worth in him. That's not his fault. It's because his positive, popular act was broken up when there was no need, and we did a stupid storyline with Lana. And the storyline here is a little bit dumb. Tucker doesn't feel like he was in the spotlight. I mean, like, what? You, you can't just say these things. Like, look, it's better than the ones when WWE just don't tell you anything, and you're just meant to go, oh, okay, they're a heel now. But there is no substance in this turn. There just isn't. Again, it was done because it's something that we can do. And I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I hope Tucker becomes an amazing heel. We have some incredibly good matches. They both get over and they both go on to have really successful careers. But I think we barely scratched the surface with them as a tag team. And you could have Otis as, 
you know, feuding with the Miz or you know whatever you're going to do with the briefcase and still have Tucker involved. I don't know why they moved Tucker in the first place. See, this is what I mean. When you go through all the little beats, it feels like we're making it up when we go. And that's when it falls apart from me. So I kind of telegraphed it halfway through too, just where people were standing and what was going on and John Morrison getting kicked out of there. I was like, meh. I don't. I hope they don't, but I was wrong. But maybe you liked it, maybe you didn't. I would assume that the Miz tries to cash in at Survivor Series just because it's ten years since he cashed in before, and he fails because the Miz can fail. I mean, that's the real reason they took it off Otis. They like him and they want to push him, but they don't know how. So we're gonna do cash in on Roman Reigns? No, and he's not gonna cash in on Rome on Drew McIntyre, or Randy Orton either. Talking about Survivor Series as well, I just, I, it feels redundant to be doing brand warfare a few weeks after we had a, a brand split and somebody got in touch with me and they actually said oh but simon isn't it like a football player leaving chelsea to go to arsenal and then you have a london derby you know you have chelsea versus arsenal they really want to prove their worth i'm like it's different because if you're now an arsenal player you're playing for the team but nobody's wrestling for raw nobody is wrestling for smackdown you're either wrestling for yourself or you're wrestling because you want to be IC champion, US champion, world champion, tag team champion. That's the prize. So that one doesn't fly with me. And why would AJ Styles care about representing Raw? He was a SmackDown guy for ages saying he was the face that runs the place. Whatever. It would still bring us some good matches. I'm not saying that, but it just the concept seems silly. It feels like a concept we're doing just because it's a concept that we've always done. And not having NXT involved just demotes them as well. Unless you say, oh, it's because we've got this cool thing or that cool thing. Otherwise, it just sounds like, well, we tried with NXT. Last year, we only did it to boost the ratings. And now we've just changed our minds. I'm being way too negative today. I do I do apologize. So let's flick into the, the positive stuff, which again, I thought the three championship um, Hell in a Cell matches were great. My favorite was Roman Reigns, closely followed by Sasha Banks and Bailey and Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre. I don't want to call it third place because that seems unfair. You could say that all of them went a little bit long. Sure, you could probably chop off five, ten minutes and they would have been better still, but I'm not. I'm not complaining. Didn't mind Randy Orton becoming the WWE champion. I think the main idea behind that is to... I mean, we don't know when fans are going to be allowed back in the building, but I would guess that Vince McMahon and WWE have a plan, or at least a paper plan. And what they want to do is put it back on Drew when they do have fans so we can get the big reaction, which is the one thing he's missing from his title reign. It's not his fault. I mean, who the hell wanted to be the champion during a global pandemic? But given how much WWE focuses on moments, I mean, they even base the whole WrestleMania. You know, when you go to WrestleMania, you're not trying to win a title. You know, it goes against everything I just said. But you're not trying to win a title or blood feud. You want a WrestleMania moment. They talk about it all the time. That's the number one thing you can do if you're a WWE superstar. And... You know, it could have been so much worse. Take take a Chris Jericho. And, you know, I think Chris Jericho is one of the best wrestlers ever. But his first title run sucked. His first world title run sucked. Because he wasn't treated like a top guy. That hasn't been the case with Drew. For the last six months, he has come across like a badass babyface that has essentially won every single match he was in definitively. You know, even when sometimes he had rematches, we were all like, why? Drew whooped his ass, and then he would whoop his ass again. So he's in a position where he's able to lose. You can always make Randy Orton champion, because just by proxy, he feels like he's of that ilk, just because he's been around so long. And the fact that Drew came out and Raw and basically focused entirely on Randy Orton means he's not going to be demoted. He's not going to become a mid-card guy. It's not been done because the powers that be don't deem him to be good enough as a champion. It's just building to something else. And again, I hope he wins it back from Randy, again, who is a major player. When we have fans and then the Drew McIntyre experiment is not only a success, but we've tied up all the loose ends. I don't know how I feel about working The Fiend into the equation. I would presume 
there may be some kind of silliness where we don't actually get Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns, which would be the brand warfare, and maybe we get Randy versus Drew versus The Fiend, and The Fiend is just there to take the fall, which again is awful because we are doing exactly what we did with Bray Wyatt, which is not playing up to his strengths. But again, the fact that he's still in the main event scene works for me. And, you know, the positive with the Bray Wyatt stuff is I like the Firefly Funhouse with Alexa Bliss. I liked a moment of Bliss. I liked how creepy and weird it was. I think there's a story you can tell that would work, although it's going to be more difficult because, again, experience has taught us that we don't want to put Bray Wyatt and the Fiend in world title programs because it just ends badly. Somebody, I was listening to a podcast the other day and someone said, don't forget the Fiend's never been beaten. Like Goldberg beat him. <laughs> it's like Goldberg of all people and Braun Strowman. So, um, yeah, but look, it, 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 it was it was good. I liked it and I'm, I'm intrigued by the follow-up. Uh, Bailey versus Sasha Banks, such a bizarre match in the sense their first big um, clash was in Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank was in um, the Hell in a Cell but they just absolutely killed each other. And it was unreal, some of the stuff they were doing. And the amount of ways Sasha Banks found to pull off a, a Meteora was, was pretty damn impressive. I didn't see her winning this, which of course she did to become the champ. I honestly thought that Bailey would win it. And that justifies what we do second time around. We're still going to do second time around. Just go check out Bailey's feed uh, uh, for that. But I just... My worry is that Sasha Banks loses and then we start playing Hot Potato. Now, you can get away with that sometimes. But if you know, you know that the joke when it comes to Sasha Banks being champion is that she never has long title reigns. There's some crazy stats out there that will make you laugh out loud. It's like, man, we're really not getting behind her when she's the champion. And I don't think we want to do that again. Also, if they do clash at Survivor Series, which I guess they're not, I guess we're going to do Oscar versus Sasha Banks. And maybe that's what Bailey does. She costs Sasha the Manx by getting involved. So, you know, whatever we do in the December pay-per-view... It's not going to have a hell in the cell around it. So that's also going to feel like a little bit of a step backwards. But, you know, we won't know more until SmackDown. Again, I'm recording this on Wednesday. Great stuff. But the the, the best of all was Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso. Yes, again, maybe a little bit too long. But the story, the narrative, the emotion, the methodical nature of it, it was more of a performance than it was a wrestling match. But that's what I want. You had three hell in a cell matches. I don't need three borderline traditional WWE Hell in a Cell matches. I need carnage and I need madness. That's absolutely what I got delivered here. I think Jay, um, well, yeah, I say this. I think Jay Uso is a fantastic baby face. I think Jay Uso and Jimmy Uso should now be forced into making some kind of coalition with Roman because I think you can tell that story and I think it would be really, really fun. And you can also potentially, um, you know, do something where, this is kind of me just fantasy booking, but I did think about it earlier. Like, you know, Kevin Owens and Daniel Bryan have seemingly aligned with each other seemingly seemingly and my first thought and i'm sure a lot of your first thoughts as well was oh maybe they're going to go after the tag team championships but if we are going to put roman and jay and jimmy together you are going and you know jimmy can't wrestle at the moment and my point is this <laughs> i think a really good program for roman reigns to be in after this is roman reigns versus daniel bryan i think there's a lot in the past you could jump off and i also think they have such good matches that you may actually be able to drag some fans back but if Jey Uso is going to be teamed with Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan would need a second, and maybe that's why we've teamed him up with Kevin Owens. I don't know. I'm massively spitballing. And I also think when Jimmy Uso is good to come back, maybe you could add a third to all of that. I don't know. Although I don't think he's back till next year. So there's no rush with that. But either way, yeah. When WWE tells these stories and they do it right, it is, it is proof that this is what they do best. And I'm not saying that AEW or NWA or Impact can't do it. Of course they can. But they rely on their experience and they rely on everything they've learned. And I just don't understand why other people aren't allowed this much freedom. I thought it was awesome, especially the bit at the end when 
<laughs> it looked like Roman Reigns was going to agree with Jimmy Uso. And they just wrecked him with a guillotine choke. It's like, no, no, oh man, that's good stuff. It's good stuff because you can either look at it like for a moment, Roman realized he had gone crazy and, you know, the Usos had got through to him. Or maybe even better still, he was just lying. He thought, I know how I can screw this guy over. I'm going to pretend I'm crying real tears. So Roman Reigns' character is great. This has to be... If this doesn't trigger somebody in the back to go, man, we should really give these performers more freedom, I don't know what does. I'm very excited that Gable is back to being Chad Gable, the death of Shorty G. But, you know, do I think he's going to be given the same leeway as Roman Reigns? No. Because listen to that sentence. Roman Reigns is always going to be given more. And that's good. I don't want Roman to be given less. I want people like Chad Gable to be given more. But yeah, I love that match. Got golden up and ups and downs. I stand by it. Some people got so mad about that because people are crazy. And then we had the fallout from Raw. Obviously, The Miz and John Morrison and Drew McIntyre. This is what I mean about not being too bothered. Say what you want about The Miz. And it was a bit strange to have him win the Money in the Bank briefcase and then lose. But Drew McIntyre getting a dominant win over him served Drew McIntyre. And he is more important in that... Um, in that pecking order. And we also saw, who was it? AJ Styles, Keith Lee, and Sheamus qualify for the Survivor Series 2020 Raw versus SmackDown matchup. It was okay, I guess. I mean, AJ Styles versus Jeff Hardy was good, but the associates, you know, the big guy that's now AJ's friend, don't really understand why looking at people is scaring them. I was fine with Sheamus versus Matt Riddle because I've accepted that that's just how they see Matt Riddle and I'm not going to waste my life fretting about it. And also, I really like Sheamus. Keith Lee is a bit of a different story. Maybe I'm just a bigger fan of Keith Lee than I am Matt Riddle. But I do not understand why Keith Lee... Uh, if you go through Elias' win-loss record, who is you know who Keith Lee fought, I bet most people have a win over Elias. I remember there was a time where he couldn't buy a win. You know, he was uh, he's a great character, and therefore WWE thought, well, it doesn't matter what we do, he can just lose all the time because it's more about what he says and his performances. And maybe there's a, you know, a modicum of truth in that. But Keith Lee has to be a dominant dude that runs through people. Of course he does. And yet, once again, if you go through his record... He just he can't win properly. Like he get his only major win was against Randy Orton, which was awesome at SummerSlam, right? I love that. And if he had said on Raw at any point, oh, Randy, I've got a win over you. I'm coming after the title. I'd be like, you know what? It doesn't matter what else we do. But there's always nonsense. And here, obviously, Jeff Hardy came out, did the thing with Elias. But Keith Lee should be wrecking Elias. Once again, if that's not what WWE wants to do with him, then as a fan, I'll shrug my shoulders and say, fair enough. You know, I don't run the company. But that one really, really irked me because... I just think Keith Lee could become a super duper star or at least someone like a Drew McIntyre, right? Where you really get excited to see what he's going to do, especially when he cuts promos. And I mean this in a positive way, but his promos are a bit weird, right? They have a certain weirdness to them. It's, it, it's, it's strange. Like it, it's really, really hard to explain. But he comes across almost like a gentleman. And then in the ring, he's like a monster. And that to me is really, really, really cool. But I don't know. You tell me. You get in touch and be, maybe you like it. And if you do, you know, that would be great. Um, but I, it just seems odd. It just seems like they think he is so big and he is so impressive in the ring that once again, he doesn't have to have anything backing him up. And it's the same with Retribution, who obviously lost on Raw again. And they say, or some people say, oh, just because they lose, you think they're being jobbed out or buried. And I don't think anyone's being jobbed out or buried. I think if you get to WWE, you've already won. Like, it's an incredible thing to do. And I think sometimes uh, there is such um, vitriol on the internet that we forget. It's an incredible feat for anyone to have a dream as a wrestler to go out there and train and then get signed by the biggest wrestling company in the world. And that stands to reason for AEW, NWA, all the companies I listed earlier. But you have to come in with fire, right? Look at Goldberg. Goldberg 
my dad is mostly, not mostly, but if you really dislike Goldberg, you say he doesn't know how to work. He was a wrecking machine. He was blah, 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 blah. And a lot of, you know, there is, there is a lot of worth in, in, in what people say. But because he came in and because he went on a winning streak and because his match only went two minutes, everybody, even the more, well, mostly the casual fans, well, this guy's a badass. I'd love to be like him. That wouldn't have been the case if he was beating, I don't know, Hugh Morris after Disco Inferno had distracted him. No, he ran through them. He probably would have grabbed Disco Inferno, snorted fire out of his nose and beat them as well. I remember when Oscar had a streak, everyone was like, well, we have to beat a streak eventually. I'm like, well, yes, we do. But why are you so eager for it? Somebody being that dominant that they don't lose is awesome. And sometimes they can go over to the other side and never losing. It's like over here in, in the UK. Um, but what I, Liverpool and Manchester City, when it comes to football, are kind of there. But it was Manchester United back in the day. Manchester United would always win. And because they always win, everybody else hated them. So there is a tipping point. But if that happens, great. You can turn Oscar Hill and make her Manchester United a wrestling. So I, I don't think there would have been anything wrong with Keith Lee coming in and as boring as this would have been at the time, looking back in hindsight, running through Bobby Roode, running through Dolph Ziggler. Uh, I'm trying to think of anybody now. Running through Elias, of course. Running through R-True, Drew Gulak, whoever. And then we get to this point. My man, he hasn't done anything huge. But I honestly think that may have had a bigger impact than beating uh, Randy Orton as, as, as the way he did. Which is nuts, because Randy Orton is probably the biggest star in the company. Or at least you could, you could argue that. For some reason, the women weren't allowed to have qualifying matches. Adam Pearce just went, this is what we're doing. I don't mind Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. I think there's something fun there. I think Nia Jax especially plays it quite well. But just saying that it's going to be those two, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke, but the fifth one everybody has to fight for was like, this is so confusing and it's so convoluted. And then Lana wins after stealing the pin again and then Nia Jax throws her through the table. It was funny this time. It was funny, then it wasn't funny, and now it's gone back to being funny again. Um, and her as the captain should make for some quite entertaining television. But I do some, I still feel like sometimes WWE look at their running order and they go, this is the women's spot. Hence why the guys are all allowed to have multiple matches, but the women just have to get stuck there. I just I think you could you could balance it out better. And you could just do everything better with, with Retribution. I want to make it clear I like everyone in Retribution. I like Ali massively. I like T-Bar, Mace, Slapjack. I don't know who else is in it. Maya Yim, she's not allowed a name. But the booking, to me, you can argue it, is just not what it should be. Like, why is Mia Yim doing weird freak-out things to distract MVP? Uh, you know, why is the only victory we've seen uh, Slapjack rolling up MVP with the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment? I think that's the only win they've got on television. Because the rest here was um, Lashley speared Slapjack, I think. Somebody got paid dirt, probably Mace. And then somebody else got counted out. I can't remember who that was too. But, you know, T-Bar probably got counted out. And then Ali got himself disqualified. If you have a group that is coming in and their desire is to wreck the WWE and all they do is turn the lights on and off, eventually you're going to get a bit bored of it. Because, you know, if I tell you every single week, oh, everyone that listens is going to get $5. If your $5 doesn't turn up, it's just going to become hot air. You're like, oh, Simon's doing his $5 thing again. You have to have something of weight that you can gravitate you to gravitate to, and that you can hold on to. And uh, at the moment, Retribution don't back up their words. It's Bray Wyatt again. I hate going back to that, but it is Bray Wyatt again. But I hope I'm wrong. I really, really do hope I'm wrong. I think 
Retribution can still be saved. They just need to make a 180. And they have to start feeling threatening. Everyone keeps comparing them to the Nexus. And I know the ending of the Nexus wasn't good. But the reason they were so exciting at one point is because they genuinely felt like they had shuffled up the status quo. It felt like they had all of a sudden become main event guys. That they could get victories against people that didn't usually lose. Which is why at SummerSlam when John Cena won, it was like, oh man. We've gone right back, uh, uh, right back to where we were. But... I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens. There is a lot of strange stuff going on. It's strange more so because SmackDown is an awesome show. Like, I thought the SmackDown before Hell in a Cell was absolutely brilliant from start to finish, mostly. Uh, even Lore and Otis was, you know, it was fun enough. And then Raw just feels like it's cobbled together in minutes, which it probably, probably is. Ending was good. You know, I'm intrigued to see what they do with The Fiend. I love Alexa Bliss and this Harley Quinn-type character. I think she's really come alive and probably needed that change. And I guess we're going to do a triple threat of Survivor Series. Although, again, you look at the triple threat, uh, sorry, you look at the Survivor Series card now, and it's Team Raw versus Team SmackDown men, Team Raw versus Team SmackDown women, Bobby Lashley versus Sami Zayn, champion versus champion. Poor Sami Zayn's going to be killed. New Day versus the Street Profits, tag versus tag. That will be really good. Oscar versus Sasha, Randy Orton versus Roman. It would be odd if we don't do all of those in the sense that some are champion versus champion or brand versus brand and some aren't. Maybe WWE is just setting up the three-way because they want to do it going into whatever the hell comes after Survivor Series. I can't even remember now. It's, it's almost like two people are writing both different shows, which, which is how it should be. But the irony is, is that it's not. <laughs> it's the same people. So why they don't have this um, uh, filter? That's not the right word, but I don't know. I don't know. Have we talked about... We haven't talked about dinner, La Dinner Debonair on here, have we? Whatever the flip it was called. Basically, I was about to the AEW Dynamite preview, and that popped into my brain. I didn't think it was the best thing ever. Loads of people said, oh, Millie, you should have given it a golden up. I certainly didn't think it was the best thing ever. But what I massively appreciated was the creativity and the fact that they dared to do it, even though they knew there was going to be some negative reaction to it. I mean, anybody could have called that, even someone that just started watching wrestling. But I don't want to get to the point where wrestling is just promo match, promo match, promo match. I love promos and I love matches, but I want this creativity. I want it to be, even if I don't like it, which I don't for a lot of this stuff, I want it to be where as long as everybody involved in an angle says, yes, 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 we just do it. Because you can do that in wrestling because I don't like using the word fake, but it's not real. It's a work. You can create these things. And if it's going to get to the point where every single thing is serious, I tell you, even the serious guys are going to feel less serious because they're all going to merge into one. So I'm glad they did it. Obviously, on Dynamite later, we're going to have the Inner Circle Town Hall meeting to decide if MGF joins the group. There are spoilers out there for this week's episode of Dynamite because it was recorded, but I won't talk about them here. Uh, Eddie Kingston is going against Matt Seidel. Cody versus Orange Cassidy for the TNT title in a lumberjack, man, uh, lumberjack match. Wardlow versus Hangman Page, which is round two of the championship tournament. Same as Omega versus Penta, sadly phoenix was wrecked last week i mean there was a one point apparently they were going to clear him i was like he landed on his damn head i don't think we should clear him uh there's gonna be an interview segment with the ftr and the young bucks and serena deeb is taking on layla hirsch for the nwa women's championship which of course she just won it's a really good card i think the cody versus orange cassidy match is really going to give us an insight into what direction cody is headed in i am convinced he is turning heel but he also does such a good job in pretending that he's not I do second guess myself. But if he beats Orange Cassidy and then goes on to full gear where he also beats 
Darby Allen and starts getting a little bit cocky about it. But I think that's good, right? I don't know. There's, there seems to be this odd backlash towards Cody. He started a flipping competitor to the WWE. He can do whatever he wants. And I think he's treating himself great. I don't know who else has say in what he does. I'm sure Tony Khan does, but I really, really like it. And it's the same. I think Wardlow versus Hangman Page is really smart because Wardlow is like the big dude. Like, oh, is Hangman Page going to get past him? And Kenny Omega versus Penta would just be a tremendous match. And if we do get Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega at full gear, who is moaning about that? Some people are so obvious. Yes, like some people watch romantic comedies and then the man and the woman get it on at the end. You go, preposterous. No, you don't. You're like, oh, it's so great. I want to find love. It's the same here. Of course I want Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page. What do I want? Hang I want Wardlow versus Penta in the final. Is that what you want? No, you don't. Stop being ridiculous. And Kenny Omega should win and Kenny Omega should be the guy to take the belt of John Moxley. And then 2021 should be the year of Kenny when he goes back to being the cleaner, the Terminator, and the guy he was in New Japan. And an absolute asshole, purposely. That would be great. It's exactly what people have wanted. I swear, some people will just moan about everything. And I will point out at this stage that you're more than allowed. <laughs> you are. Some people go, oh, why did you watch it if you moan about it? It's like, well, because you may get joy out of that. And if you do, good for you. Um, right, I can't, for the life of me, remember what is on Halloween Havoc. So let me get it up. Uh, but it's pretty good. Obviously, we've got these spin the wheel um, stipulations. I thought Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae were great last week when they were just so pissed off. Well, no, Candice LeRae liked it, but Johnny Gargano just hated this spin the wheel stip. I thought that was fun. Uh, but it's going to be Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae for the NXT Women's title. Damian Priest versus Johnny Gargano for the North American Championship. Who knows? I don't know. I think it was Wrestling Observer that brought up this point. Are we just going to be able to see all the gimmicks? Because surely if we're spinning the wheel, everything needs to be set up. So I'll be intrigued to see how they do that. Uh, Raquel Gonzalez versus Rhea Ripley, I'm also intrigued by. I think sometimes Raquel Gonzalez gets a little bit of a hard rap, given that she is a uh, an improving professional wrestler. And if she doesn't have five-star matches, ah, she's rubbish. So hopefully she can prove, I want to say prove herself. That sounds a little bit harsh. Uh, Santos Escobar versus Jake Atlas. That would be a lot of fun. And then, yeah, unless I've missed it, I still don't know what a haunted house of terror match is. It's Dexter Loomis versus Cameron Grimes. I mean, two guys that are getting a lot of time on NXT TV. you got to do something with Pat, um, uh, Pat McAfee, too, and obviously Adam Cole and Undisputed Era. They've got to tie into this. But yeah, what is a haunted house of terror match? I'm going to presume, I guess Cameron Grimes is going to be walking around some kind of house or building, and Dexter Loomis is going to be trying to scare him. I don't know. I really have no idea. But I think tying it into the whole Halloween Havoc thing is smart. I think it makes it more exciting. Feels like a mini pay-per-view in the mini of the week. And they do have decent cards all around. Like, if you wanted to argue either was better than the other, I don't do that because I'll watch them both and I'll have a good time. But, yeah, I like all the WCW names coming back. I do, especially Halloween Havoc. That's a cool one. So... Hell in the Cell was obviously the big thing of this week, other than um, the UFC stuff. We won't talk about that because some people just don't care. <sighs> I don't know where we're going <laughs> in the Build to Survivor series. I do know that SmackDown has been an absolutely tremendous show, and that makes me more confident to wherever we're going to, wherever we're going to get up. I still don't believe that the Rock versus Roman Reigns is going to happen next year. That's the big question I get asked all the time. Miller, are we going to do Rock versus Roman Reigns? I think WWE would love to. But I think without the um, guarantee of a crowd and the fact that getting the Rock to do that is going to be so hard anyway because of his movie commitments, I just think it's so far removed from where we currently are. I would be amazed. But my word, as always, I hope that I'm proven Hope that I'm proven wrong. Uh, we saw Nikki Cross come back on Raw. I really hope she mentions Alexa Bliss because that's going to be another storyline that WWE has just forgotten about. If you care about third quarter earnings, they'll be out tomorrow, Thursday. 
um, be intrigued to see what they've done. This is like the proper one in terms of all the pandemic stuff. So that would be interesting. And actually, we should talk before we answer the questions or ask the questions. Johnny Bravo got killed <laughs> on Impact. If you don't watch Impact, somebody explained it to me the other day. It's like batshit crazy NXT. And I was like, that is such a good way to put it. And the, what I really like is I don't enjoy everything. No, that's not wrong. I enjoy most of it. But I don't necessarily agree. Like, that's not the right word either. It's not for me, right? Not everything they do is for me. But they have made up their mind that they're going to take a little bit of Lucha Underground. They're going to take a little bit of AEW, a little bit of WWE. But whatever they are going to do, they are not going to fall off the wagon. So, for example, James Mitchell comes back to host the wedding and he came back from the dead. The big um, surprise is the lights go off. You hear a gunshot. When they come back on, Johnny Bravo's been shot. So we're doing Who Shot Mr. Burns, but in Impact Wrestling. There is a bunch of kooky and weird stuff that goes down in that promotion. But because they treat it like it's, yes, of course this would happen. And because they ensure that it's consistent within their own universe, you just accept it. And now I really am starting to understand what Impact's MO is, what its identity is. I'm really, really enjoying it. I think it's better each and every week. I thought Bound for Glory was a lot of fun. Uh, the fallout did what it had to do. I wasn't into this wedding. If you watch my ups and downs, you know this. I just hate wrestling weddings. I felt like I'd seen one too many, but they zoomed past it. They didn't hang too long. And I can't even remember the last time we had a whodunit in this sense in wrestling. I'm sure there I'm sure that there have been them, but I I don't know. I, I can't think about it. So it's really, really fun. And they also have the serious stuff too. Rich Swan versus Eric Young. Great match of the pay-per-view. Interesting rematch, but certainly did the job it was intended to do. We're having a women's tag team division championship tournament. And the reason we're doing that is because arguably the Impact Women, the knockouts, have the best division in all of all of women's wrestling. Like Pretty much everyone there is really, really, really good. And then you have the X Division stuff with Rohit Raju, who's coming to his own, and you got, oh, it's just great. And the men's tag team is great. Like, there is rarely a weak point. It's just, is it going to be for you or not in terms of a two hour show? And of course, it's not every single week that it couldn't be. So, yeah, Impact's right up there. If you're looking, I mean this, if you are looking for something a little bit different, not sports based, <laughs> in case, because that's the other argument. Oh, AEW said it's going to be sports based, which is not what they said, but whatever. Um, you know, it's like you should absolutely go and watch Impact. It doesn't feel like anything else. I mean, it feels a little bit like Lucha Underground, I suppose, but I don't think that many people watch Lucha Underground. And it's still shot and presented in a different way. The point being, I really, 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 really like Impact. All right, let's answer some of your questions. I always appreciate you asking them. Uh, if you want, I've had mixed feedback. Some people say more questions. Some people say less questions. I can talk about whatever. Just let me know. And it's a show for you guys, right? I just enjoy talking about wrestling. I have a little bit of a community here so you can um, I'll steer it in whatever direction you want is my point. Bagram Bully says, which tag teams would you like to see together forever? And which do you think would benefit from a split, heel face turn and feud to establish themselves as single stars for a bit? Well, if we're not clarifying the New Day as being broken up, which again, you can say, I don't think you ever need to break them up. I don't think I would enjoy it. Um, I would have put heavy machinery in that bracket too. In terms of people that would be good, I don't know. I'd probably need a list in front of me. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I mean, Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura could have a good singles feud, but it's not going to make or break their careers, but I would enjoy that. 
No, I can't think of anybody. Who the hell should be kept together forever? Let my brain whir. Maybe we'll come back to it. My man NASA says, what do you think of the out-of-nowhere pay-per-view matches that just come and go with no storyline or build? In some cases, it can create pure magic. Take AJ versus Balor at TLC 2017. Literally one of my all-time faves. Well, look, I'm a stickler for story, right? I am just a stickler for story. And I think that everything in wrestling should have seeds. Because I think when wrestling was at its peak, every single person had a narrative. And that's why you could invest in them totally agree with you about aj versus finn balor it was a fantastic match although i do think there was some scenario around that i think there was some news or something happened and they had to make a switch i may be wrong but no i you just like the the pre-show for hell in a cell i actually forgot to watch and i forgot to ups and downs it which i never do because i didn't know it had been announced it was lost on me so i just thought there was no matches on the pre-show and yet that's on me i probably should have done my research a bit better but i was running around that day but I would have done if I had just known on Raw that Drew Gulak was going to fight R-Truth. I think that's an area that WWE could double down on. So, yes. But then I think we could do more of that with the actual matches we get on the real show, too. Like Zelina Vega versus Oscar. i got no problem with doing Zelina Vega versus Oscar. But at least give her a few weeks to get some wins and really make me go, oh, wait a minute, something's happening here. I don't mean to blow smoke up their ass again, but it's what Impact does so well. They do. They hold fire. And they took a Johnny Bravo wedding that I dissed for weeks and weeks, and they made me into it. Because I still knew what was happening, and I was still invested. So that's what I'd like more of. Uh, Ty says, what's your favorite NXT tag match? It's got to be the Revival versus uh, American Alpha from NXT TakeOver the End, was it? I can't remember. That's just a phenomenal match with the crowd losing it and, and, and going wild, but... You rarely get bad tag team match on NXT. You rarely get bad matches on NXT. NXT's a really good show. It's just been dragged into this ridiculous... Well, it's not a ridiculous debate, but this debate about ratings. But I think people forget it, it's a decent show. I actually sometimes think, because it's now on television, week to week, you are actually getting better shows than when it was on the network. Because I remember you'd get those 60-minute shows where it was just kind of showcase matches with people you'd never heard of. I think it's more of a wrestling show now, but now I've said that I have to go back and check it out. But that's what my brain is telling me. Dre says, do you think pro wrestlers, in particular within the WWE, will ever successfully unionize? What will it take to make it happen? Well, I hope they do, because it would be more beneficial of them. But ultimately, no, I don't think so. Unless there's a bigger body, you know, Andrew Yang, the... Um, the, the uh, uh, what's he, the, the Republican, no Republican, the Democrat guy has said he wants to do that, then I think yes. But the problem about doing, I mean, the Hulk Hogan, Jesse Ventura situation sums this up. You know, back in the late 80s, early 90s, whenever it was, Jesse Ventura wanted to do a union and Hulk Hogan went and told Vince McMahon because Hulk Hogan, being at the top of the card, knew that he'd have all the perks and make all the money and he wanted to keep it. Now, I think locker rooms these days are very differently. and I don't think you'd get anything like that, but it would be better if a third party was operating it. So I think that's what it would take to make it happen. Uh, Matthew Hughes says, any fond memories of Tracy Smothers? No, apart from the the um, uh, full-blooded Italian stuff, which I always enjoyed. And a lot of people I know have said lovely words about him. So that's always good to hear. It's nice when people make an impression. A.A. Loza says, with Thunder Rosa losing the NWA women's title last night, where is your best guess she goes, WWE or AEW? I think AEW needs some more. I think you could build the whole women's division around her and um, the ones that you are building would benefit from that as well. I'd worry you get a little bit lost in WWE, which does happen, but it's not the worst options in the world. I know WWE is the bad guy, but it would still be good money for her and that's what I care about. Billie Jean White Jr. says, who are your favorite wrestlers from each show? And then we'll go through them. Raw. My favorite wrestler on Raw is... I don't know. <laughs> Probably Drew McIntyre. I quite, I'm going to be forgetting some, but I'm going to kick myself. But Drew McIntyre, SmackDown would be Roman Reigns slash Kevin Owens. 
NXT, it would be Damian Priest at the moment because that character cracks me up. On Dynamite, it would be Cody. And on Impact, um, probably Rich Swan, maybe Eric Young. One of those two because their, their feud was so good and I just bought into it wholesale. I thought it was awesome. Uh, JC says, where's the podcast? What's the podcast, mate? Would love to tune in. I have to reply to him <laughs> on Twitter. Lauren says, what was the first wrestling match you ever watched? Well, I don't know, but I know it was the Hart Foundation. Or I think it was the Hart Foundation. I just know that Bret Hart was in it. And I've always assumed that it was a tag team match because I remember I have a vision of other people stood in the ring, but I don't actually know. But um, yeah, like Bret Hart, I always say this, but I'll say it again when it comes up. Without Bret Hart, I wouldn't be watching wrestling right now. And I've just recently caught up with his Confessions of a Hitman series. I just like hearing him talk. He doesn't care and he's so mad at the world. And that all kind of came... I watched some of his matches too. There's just something about Bret Hart. I get it's lost on the sort of modern generation, which is always going to be. That's the same with any kind of a sport, but... He's my guy. He's still, he holds such a special place in my heart based purely on nostalgia. And obviously you can't beat that. Batista is down, says, advice on being a better podcaster or presenter. Well, look, I don't know if I'm the person, I don't know if I'm a good podcaster or presenter. I still think I'm working towards that. But I mean, the number one thing you can do is find your own voice and push it as hard as possible. Like somebody actually brought up that they found one of my old videos on What Coach the other day. And they said it was like watching a different person. And I took great pride in that. Because I kind of feel like I'm more comfortable with who I am as a human being right now. And that hopefully comes across in my videos. But don't copy anybody else. Like, be inspired by them and be motivated by them and borrow elements that you enjoy. But make sure that you spin it your way first. You know, someone says this is crap. Okay, well, maybe it is. But as long as you're enjoying doing it, nine times out of ten, somebody else will as well. Then you just have to build an audience, which is the hardest thing in the world. Um, You know, I've been doing this since 2006, really. And I'm still small fry in this world. But I'm just never going to stop. I will do it to my grave. Jordan Booth says, what's the greatest match of all time? And why is it Edge versus Foley at WrestleMania 22? Absolutely no personal bias in that question whatsoever. I do like Edge versus Foley at WrestleMania 22. And it's super crazy. Not the wrestler. What's my favorite wrestling match of all time? I mean, Austin versus um, Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13. It, again, for all the reasons we've kind of already talked about. I'm trying to think of a more modern one that kind of stole me away, and I don't know. I don't know if Edge versus Foley would even be in my top five or top ten, but I'd have to sit there. And, look, it's it's up there, though. It should be in the conversation. Dan Williams, with the growth of AEW, can you see a new generation of fans coming in and wrestling rising to the top again? I have kind of always thought that wrestling may be a niche from here on out, but that's only because a lot of things like wrestling are now niches. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's so many cool hobbies out there that have these huge communities around them, but they're actually quite small when you look at the world as a whole. And if WWE and AEW and professional wrestling sits into that, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I know WWE ratings aren't great, but AEWs are, NXTs are, you know, indifferent. They probably need to shift to a different night, but that's a whole different conversation. But if you do stumble across a Stone Cold Steve Austin or a Rock or a Hulk Hogan, then yes, it will do, because that's why things blew up. Wrestling became cool because Stone Cold Steve Austin was seen as cool and The Rock was there to, you know, make that period probably last longer than it would have done otherwise because he took Stone Cold's mantle and then went off to become the biggest star in the biggest star in movies. But you need that guy or that girl at the forefront of it. Uh, I think Becky Lynch had that potential, but you know, is she going to come back? Is she not going to come back? I don't know. 
it, I, I hope that AEW becomes as big as WWE. I don't see why anybody would argue against that. And I hope in that time, WWE gets even bigger because that's better for the wrestlers and it will be better for the people watching it. But if somebody put a gun to my head, I would say probably not. I think we've probably seen the biggest peak in wrestling. But as is the theme of this podcast, I hope that I'm wrong. Con Dowling, genuine question. Why do your ups and downs video thumbnails have to spoil part of the show? Why can't it just be a photo of you with text ups and downs? <laughs> the amount of times I get this question. Right. First of all, I don't control the thumbnails on what culture. There's nothing to do with me. Um, I make my content, I send it, and they do it. However, I will say this. And you don't have to agree with me. I understand it's annoying. It would piss me off. Uh, actually, I'm not sure. I never cared about spoilers. I have this weird brain where ever since spoilers became a thing, I just don't care. I, I'm always, even if I find out the result or whatever it's going to be, I somehow enjoy it or not enjoy it the same. I'm a, But I get it. I'm the exception. But yeah, one, I don't handle the thumbnails. Two, it's because that's the world that we live in, right? I get that it come downing. I'll talk right to you. I get that it has annoyed you because you weren't able to see the show. Um, and it would be great if we could get to a point where we didn't have to do that. But because you have WWE showing it and you have all of what culture's competitors showing it, if they don't do it, they do fall behind a little bit. And I know that's true because I've seen analytics. So unfortunately, we just live in a world. It's like on Twitter. Sometimes you can tweet something and somebody will go, well, I didn't want to know that. So well, I can't tweet knowing what your you know, current brain is telling you right now. I'm just reacting. We live in a reactionary world. And that's the reason. It, the, the, the proof is, the proof, sorry. The truth is, when you do put those in, they garner more engagement than if you don't. But I understand that it pisses you off. I totally get that. I'm not saying you're wrong. You're not. But that's just the style, I suppose. But it's nothing to do with me. I don't control the thumbnails. Uh, Mr. J says, my question is, what would you like to see more of in wrestling? Dude, what a great question. Well, I guess going back to what I said earlier, stories across the board and an understanding of placement of the card. Like, Chad Gable's a good one, right? Turning him into Shorty G would have been fine if it had gone somewhere, but he became Shorty G and then it just ended, which is worried that I'm now he's gone back to being Chad Gable and it's just going to get end. It's like retribution. Clearly something changed there. And as opposed from shifting gears, we've kind of just let it peter out. Whereas the other way around, the Hurt Business, who I don't think we're meant to become this badass cool group, have. So just having longer term plans uh, and staying the course, even when it kind of feels like it's not working. You, you have to change it eventually, but I don't think, I'm referring more to WWE here, I don't think we give things enough time. So in terms of AEW, I'd like to see a bigger focus on the women's division, but once again, I understand it's a work in progress. The company's only a year old, you have to give it time. Impact could actually do less crazy stuff for me, which is saying something, but they won me over. Uh, and I can't think of anybody else, so we'll just move on. Uh, Oliver Perman says, which gimmick match do you as most aspire to participate in one day? And are there any non-garbage deathmatch-style gimmick matches that you would not wish to take in? Uh, well, if I was in a Royal Rumble, I think I'd be pretty happy, given that's one of the first pay-per-views I can remember in WWE. And I think if you get in a Royal Rumble, you can say that you've been a success, right? That's, that's quite the thing to do. What other match? No, there's no other match that I wouldn't be in. I'd be in a ladder match. I'd be on a pole match. I'd be in an elimination chamber. I'd be in a hell in a cell. I'd be in a cage. I'd be in a call your shot gauntlet. It's only kind of crazy death style matches that would scare me away. And that's because I don't have a light tube smashed into my head. <laughs> oh, what a surprise. Dan Nutter says, what is the worst botch that you have seen that made you feel queasy? Oh man, Sid's broken leg at Sin 2001 WCW. I watched that recently. It is horrible. And so I think he's legit 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, Sid, I think. Maybe he's a bit... He's tall, right? He's over 6'4", way over 6'4". So to jump off the rope and have that happen to your foot or your ankle, 
I can't watch it. It does actually make me feel sick. Uh, Waja Hassan says, do you think people are harsh on Kevin Nash? Personally, I'm a huge fan. Other people, political and wrestling at other places of work as well. I don't really have an opinion on Kevin Nash. He was a very successful professional wrestler. He once laughed at me and Phil at What Culture when we asked him for a, a YouTube interview because he thought YouTube was trash. So that kind of annoyed me a bit. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, but again, that's his prerogative. I wouldn't call myself a super huge fan. I wouldn't call myself a hater. I think he's a successful wrestler. I think the finger poker doom was a mistake, but he was super, super successful, like I say. And he was cool, too. I think it was quite cool seeing Diesel and Big Daddy cool and sexy Kevin Nash. So... Yeah, that's kind of just one of those guys. Just one of those guys. Uh, ben, whose career would you rather have had up to this point, Randy Orton or Chris Jericho? Well, I'll say Chris Jericho, but only because he's a rock star too. And I'm in a band, MG and the Juggernaut, check him out. So, you know, if I was able to do both those things, that would make me more happy because I would be more satisfied. But look, if you had the career that Randy Orton had, what is it, like 20 years pretty much in WWE, constantly treated as a top guy, 14-time world champion, but he gets paid damn well. We've got private jet, bus. He's done all right. Which makes me laugh when people go, Randy Orton's like, he's doing all right. Manly Man says, will you ever change your own wrestling character gimmick for your own wrestling stuff? Dude, there were so many plans. So many plans before the stupid pandemic hit. I was all ready to do all of this stuff. Some promotions were finally going to book me as a heel. Alas, we weren't able to do it. Does it mean that we can't do it soon? No. But the question is when. But I will tell you this, when I am able to get back to wrestling, I'm going to treat it completely different to how I did before. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to be more creative. I'm going to try more daring things. And if it all goes wrong and blows in my blows up in my face, who the hell cares, right? Who gives a shib? So watch this space. But absolutely, I will do that. Uh, Albert the Brain, uh, you want to do a Repo Man gimmick for a series? I don't know what that means, but the answer is yes, because it's Repo Man. Little Spider, do you think Retribution would have gotten over better if they had debuted to a normal live audience? No, no, it's nothing to do with that. It's just how they've been presented. You know, if you're meant to be these people that are wrecking machine, you don't wreck anything, people won't buy into what you're saying. Again, it becomes hot air, it becomes lies. Um... Rob Collette says, if you could have invented any finishing move, what would it have been? If you designed your own finisher from scratch, what would you do? I'd love to see a giant slam from you. Well, the one I invented as a kid, which is kind of what Brian Cage done now, is the Pileplex. I think we've talked about this before, which is essentially the Suplex and a pile driver put together. But how you'd ever pull it off, I don't know. I mean, again, Brian Cage kind of does it, but not really. Uh, I'm still working on my finishing move, which sounds nuts for a guy that's been wrestling for a few years, but it's... It's really hard to come up with something that actually connects with the audience. I think I overthought it a lot. I thought I had to come up with something different and new and special, but you don't. You just have to come up with something that works for you in a match, which is why in many ways I'm thinking about doing the gut wrench powerbomb. As long as you nail it properly and you make it look big, people will react to it. But yeah, it's harder than you think a finishing move. It really, really is. You need, look at the stunner, right? So simple, but got over the people's elbow. It's a lot of it's about execution and timing. So yeah, something to work on as well. Slightly spookier red ghost. Why do they call it a ring when it has four corners? There will be an answer for this. And I'm going to type it into Google. I've just screwed up all the questions doing that. Why do they call it a uh, box? We'll go with boxing ring because it will be the same. The name ring is a relic from when contests were fought in a roughly drawn circle on the ground. 
The ring was specified as 20 feet, feet, 24 feet square and bound by two ropes. For these and other reasons, the boxing ring is commonly referred to as the squared circle. There you go, you see. Google is your friend, but I'm only kidding. We, we, we've learned this together now, so everything is going to be all right. Stephen Andrew Dunn says, I don't know if I'm too late. No, you're not. But it's not so much a question. I'm asking how you would book The Miz with the briefcase from now until he cashes in. I truly think that he's going to cash it in at Survivor Series. Uh, to tie into the whole 10-year thingamabob whops are new. And I think he's going to lose it. That's what I think is going to happen. I think they've given it to The Miz because they know that he can lose and it doesn't affect The Miz. And they are correct. I'm not going to pretend otherwise. They are correct. That is something they can do. I don't think it does wonders for the Money in the Bank briefcase, but they gave it to Otis without a plan, which is the issue. So... That would be my guess. I do not think he's going to become the WWE champion. Do you... Sorry, Skirt Russell says, do you think AEW is going to pull a WWE and split the Lucha Brothers for a bit? Also, do you think Chris, Riho, Emmy, and Yuka are coming back is going to save AEW's win division? Or how much more work needs to be done in terms of roster building? Uh, yes, I think they probably will split the Lucha Brothers. I think that's been teased enough that you can eventually pull the trigger on it. But they're such good in singles. I think that would be fine. Like I said about the women's division earlier, it's a work in progress. All those people you've named, I think, are great. Chris Statlander especially is someone that I have warmed to immensely because, you know, if you're going to pretend to be an alien and buy into it that much, I'll just come along with you for the ride, man. If you're, you're going to do it to that degree, hell yeah. I, I respect it and, and I'll do it. I think in a year's time we should revisit this. I think it's going to be in a in a much better position. I know 12 months is a long time. It's not a long time for a wrestling company. You have to get them to try things and not try things and go left and go right and go up and go down. And look, it doesn't mean you can't criticize them. I'm never, ever saying that. If you want to crit, if you just watch to criticize, you are perfectly allowed to do that. But it doesn't mean that they won't get downs here and there, you know, on, on ups and downs. But it does mean that I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, much like I will give WWE the benefit of the doubt in, in many of the similar situations. You know, I, I always get... People saying, oh, you're biased, you should do that. No, I just try and judge everything on its own merits. Why would I be biased? What a waste of life. Do you know what I mean? What a waste of life to be to, to be biased towards something. I just want good wrestling at the end of the day. And I don't care where it comes from. Like, I don't get a paycheck from Vince McMahon or Tony Khan. Again, the internet disagrees, but I don't. And if I did, it would be blindingly obvious. So, you know, I, I just, I want wrestling to grow and I want wrestling to be good. And I want that to be across the board because I just think it would make it all the more exciting. And how we do that, I don't know. You probably can't do it till fans get back in. And when you can get fans back in is no idea. Like I say, I was meant to, there were some plans tentatively in place to be having a wrestling match this weekend, if you can believe it, on Halloween night. And alas, uh, that's not happening because the UK is shutting down districts like... I can't think of anything that shuts down, but not like Starbucks because Starbucks keep opening up. But so, <laughs> it's the opposite, the absolute opposite to uh, to, to Starbucks. But hey ho, right? That's pretty much it. That's all the questions asked this week. I should have put the tweet out a little bit earlier. I think so. Slightly short episode this week, which I apologise, which is kind of weird because I thought it would be longer this time. I don't know why. That's based on absolutely nothing. But hopefully you still got your fill of Simon Miller. That sounds really weird when I said out loud. But otherwise, look, I always massively appreciate you joining me. We will be back next Wednesday. In the meantime, if you do need a wrestling fix, you can head over to What Culture Wrestling. I'll be there all the time with my bald head. You can check me out on YouTube. Cool thing. I don't want to be that guy, but I was so touched that they did it. I'm just going to be that guy. If you go to my YouTube channel right now, search for Simon Miller, you'll see me in my wrestling gear. Give it a click. Give it a subscribe. You can see me unboxing the Xbox Series X. 
I didn't ask for this. I didn't know I was going to get this. If you don't know, my career before I got into all this craziness was in video games. So I've made, I don't want to say, like I said, oh, they're contacts. They're people I get on with. And they graciously said that they would send me one because um, I do do a little bit of video game work. And I just wanted to say thank you to Microsoft. They didn't pay me anything. They just sent me the Xbox. So you can, you know, you can spin that. You can, but it's nothing like that at all. And of course, I got excited. You know, I've been a gaming fan my entire life, much like wrestling. And as you do know, you turn into a 12-year-old at Christmas anytime a brand new console <laughs> comes through the door. So I think this is just me just trying to throw some positivity back out there into the world, especially because I was so negative earlier. But I realized that I'm a lucky, lucky man when, uh, when, those, kind of, when those kind of things happen. So yeah, I thought... Uh, I thought I would just throw it in there and I will double check there's been no crazy last second wrestling breaking news, which doesn't happen anymore. It basically just happened once and it's never happened again. I suppose it was Tracy Smothers, which is, um, as you get, it's just a massive shame. It is. Go check out some Tracy Smothers stuff in ECW tonight and hold a flame for him. Otherwise, uh, yeah, patreon.com forward slash Simon Miller 316 if you want to support that way. Simon Miller 316 on Instagram and Twitter. We talked about YouTube, Simon Miller. Twitch.tv forward slash Simon Miller 316 is going to start up again soon now that I've got the Xbox, of course. Why the hell wouldn't I do that? SimonMiller.bigcartel.com for merchandise otherwise look enjoy all the wrestling tonight enjoy it this weekend keep enjoying it as much as you can every day even if it is just going to be you moaning about it that's all right as long as you're happy i don't care and i'll talk to all you again very soon